This car is the most honest car you ever see. It's been a dream ever since I've had it. The first time I heard that engine screaming, I thought, I gotta have one of those. For me, the cars have personality. What's great about a BMW Classic is the community that surrounds it. When you listen to that, <laughs> that's why we're here. Welcome to Classic Heart, the BMW Group Classic Podcast. This is JP, and today is a special recording because, like the one with the Hofmeisters, we're going to have a podcast party. And uh, to our podcast party, I invite Heap, Aris, and Robert. All three just made a big, big thing this year because uh, they invited to a Thresham event. What that is, we will speak about that in detail later. Um, all three are working in creative jobs, but they also will tell us about this later. So I think we should jump right into a foursome uh, podcast here. So welcome Heap, Aris and Robert. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Hi, JP. And to give you all who tuned in a little bit of background, it's um, seven o'clock over here. That's the same time zone as Heap and Aris are. And then Robert needs to have a special treatment because he will go to bed after our podcast while we jump into our days. Uh, Robert, <laughs> we find you in Los Angeles, is that correct? Almost, San Diego. Okay. San Diego, I mean, California. Close sorry enough. for that. Close enough okay. and more beautiful, I would say. It is more beautiful. It's more calm, less cars, um, but more beach. So I'm sure that not many of those who tune in really know what you guys are doing. So I think the best ones to talk about this might be you yourselves. And I think we start with Aris. Um, yeah, hi guys. Uh, my name is Aris. I am yeah, basically since 15 years or something in creative marketing, digital marketing. And um, yeah, I came together with Robert, I think also from a business marketing perspective and um yeah we became friends and uh, did this thing together thank you very much heap you're next and heap you can tell for whom you're working so because we are a very open podcast you don't need to say i'm working <laughs> for a manufacturer of sports cars you can really get the name i can't but you can yeah thank you so my name is heap i'm the co-founder with robert uh, of elevens where we will talk probably later on as well um, what do I do? I'm actually a product designer, but since uh, more than a decade, I am focusing on uh, user interface design and currently I'm working for Porsche. So that means everything, uh, how the car is communicating with the driver is something you take care of? Exactly. Okay, cool. And last but not least, Robert in San Diego. Yeah, so my name is Robert. I'm from Munich in Germany. And actually, funnily, Heap and I met at my first job. Um, so I'm also a UI UX designer by trade and working for the other brand from Stuttgart with three points and a logo. So Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's my full-time job. And I have a couple of side gigs, one of which is the Elevens, which I co-founded with Heap. Yeah. I think uh, we need to clarify something because uh, the name Elevens, where does it come from? What was the inspiration to call it Elevens? Is this Ocean Elevens or? <laughs> There's many potential connections. Um, and I think it's not what people would expect. It's definitely not related to the 911. More so two main factors. Uh, one being the there's an American term uh, for doing a burnout, which is called 11s or laying down 11s, not just two stripes on the ground. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that's kind of what we thought of. We thought that's a good representation for our attitude in a way. And on another hand, uh, it's two two figures, two equal figures, and that represents me and Heap. It's the two of us. And I think the S can stand for more than one on two people. So yeah. it's more than that. So that means that also Aris on board and Ben and all the other uh, great characters on that one. Okay, so um, why you are here? Because um, I just mentioned a, a great event. I was happy to join on a weekend in Munich in October. So you joined up with our friends from Hofmeisters. Uh, are you guys members of Hofmeisters or part of Hofmeisters? I would say part of. I mean, I think you naturally are part of it if you're a BMW fanboy. So, <laughs> so what you did is it was the Thresham event at the skate place in Munich. And um, you invited for a kind of season closing as well, right? Um, but tell us more about this event. So um, what was happening there? Uh, me and Robert, where we come from is we never wanted to do a cars and coffee. But we wanted to do way more. So uh, every time we 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 sit down to organize an event like this, it's there's always a theme. And this time it was a theme about like skateboarding and cars. And then we add the ingredient of having artists there and creating art pieces together with the artists. And then, of course, in the event that people will bring their cars, um, we will exhibit special cars and then try to to bring everything together for a event that is more than cars of coffee. I mean, how many cars were there, Ara? Do you remember? Yeah, it was uh, pretty a lot more than we expected uh, to come <laughs> um, because I think I think the guys from Hofmeister started to arrive at 9 a.m. Officially, start was uh, 10 a.m. But I would say at 10:30, 11, the whole place was uh, super busy, super crowded. We had to put the 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 cars who came from that point onwards um, around that area where the event originally was planned. So I would think it was 200 cars, something like that. Yeah. I just can say it was really like a nice atmosphere and uh, spreading it over two days, I think, was also very smart. Uh, so to give everyone the chance to stop by. And as you said, I think the combination of art and uh, doing an event in the in the skaters, also with the skater scene background, I don't know if you can say that, makes it quite special. And I was surprised that actually so many people arrived there. It was absolutely fantastic, and but everyone was super easy. It doesn't really didn't matter what car you have. It was really like uh, just be there and we talk cars. It doesn't necessarily have to be a BMW, and I think that's also something very special on all these new generational movements of get-togethers like Hofmeisters. I think also Flitzers, Heitzer, everyone in that sense. I mean, I love to see that really like democratization. And as you, Robert, been part of this, it's very interesting for, uh, to understand where this passion came from. So what is your earliest automotive memory? And here there comes a little acknowledgement of your father, because your father, Ian, uh, was a long time the head of design at Royce Royce, beside many other obligations in the car world. That must have had an impact, I assume. Most definitely, I would say I wouldn't have I didn't have a choice. <laughs> But um, no, I think I was very lucky. I think my first memory is even previous to remembering walking. So uh, honestly, it definitely connects to my dad. Mm -hmm. And just being in the back of whatever company car he had at that time, and typically having a straight six and a manual transmission, 
and that's just kind of how I grew up. Um, and then that connected to working on cars with him, if it's even just handing him a spanner. Mm -hmm. And um, here we are today with a big financial problem regarding to cars, <laughs> but it's a good problem to have. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it started. A solvable one, at least. Yeah. Andres, what's your, what's your first time in a car? Do you remember that one? Yeah. Um, my, my dad was also into cars. He was a, a used car dealer. And I think the first car I really remember was sitting in the back of a Strich 8 um, uh, Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty funny because if you look now on that car, it's a pretty old car. And I think back in the days, it wasn't that old. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my first memory. Uh, on cars. I mean, it's a good start because especially Strich 8 is such a legendary car it stands for so many things in German automotive history. And I mean, I love that if you travel to areas in the Middle East or something like this, you'd still see them running on the road, mostly in the three-door version, which I really like, or the one with the long, with the uh, long wheelbase and the very, very large Uh, rear door so i really like that uh, to see them and i mean the the face of that car is so cool i don't know why but yeah. it's really like this vertical it's lines especially yeah. yes it's very nice yeah. also good memory heap what about you did you play with matchbox or hot wheels what's your preference or measurement no of course still I, still plays yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all do aren't we of course of course i was not born into a automotive related uh, family so my father when i grew up He always used to drive a Mazda 6 to 6. Nice. Which uh, in that story uh, connects me and Aris because when I grew up, my like dream cars weren't uh, like Ferrari F40s or something like this. But uh, it was a 323 GTR, which Aris happens to own now. Yes. Which uh, <laughs> when we met and I met the car first, I was like, oh my God. And he was like, okay, it's just a 323. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> um, okay, now I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in the driving Volkswagens and Citroëns. So that was my, my youth. And I still like, I mean, I, my first driving lesson on the backyard of the business of my father was with uh, driving a DS, right? So uh, so everyone has this, this special connection, which I find is so beautiful. And uh, do you have also dislike that you think, okay, normally I'm a BMW guy or I'm a Mercedes guy or I'm a Porsche guy, or I'm interested in Porsche, but then you find that one car that you really get hooked on? Because you saw it on an event like this? Or? 100%. I think um, I would say it's a constant exponential curve going up of craziness and wanting more. Yeah. But the direction of what you want is different. For example, being a little bit younger, I always wanted sporty cars. And for some reason, I suddenly got the urge of having to own an E38. Because mm -hmm. I always, as a child, I, I can't count how many times I watched a transporter. So once I was in California, I finally found a rust-free E38 and I purchased it. Beautiful car. I checked that dream and I sold the car, unfortunately, again. And now I have a strong need for another car. So the E38 topic has been checked off the list. Inspired by a movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, the legendary one. That's how it goes, typically. Yeah. yeah. When I grew up, my first uh, touch with cars was actually... Um, The thing which sparked my fire was Fast and Furious. And I'm proud yes. to say that. And I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um, There's no, no shame about this. Very good. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> It's okay. So um, I went to a lot of different car cultures, so to say. So I was in love with JDM and JDM mm -hmm. tuning and then cars like this. So I'm a huge BMW lover. Uh, I also adore Porsches, but um, 
I think in the end, I like quirky cars or cars with character. So yeah. the last car crush was a R5 Turbo yes. uh, to drive in south of France. Aris, what's your car crush at the moment? But that's a really tough one for me. I mean, um, I also run in waves, but it's not like a wave that keeps on um, uh, hitting my emotions over a long period of time. It's like, okay, I like that car. I would have that car. I don't buy that many cars. Honestly, we have some Mazdas in our garage still mm -hmm. waiting to be done, to be worked on. Uh, the last thing I really like was basically on Thrasham the E91 with the M3 body kit, the Touring with the with the M3 body kit. That was a pretty decent one for me. I'm also always looking for wagons. I really like that shape of car. Yeah, that was the last one I really liked. This is why I love these events so much because you see things you never saw before or you barely have an idea of. Um, I think we sh we should start with speaking about Elevens a little bit. What is the background of Elevens? What are you doing? If we talk about Elevens, maybe we'll we'll have to tell you how how it all started first. So please, back in 2016, 17, me and Robbie we moved from Munich to Stuttgart to start new jobs, and um, separately so just to make that yeah. clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. With car enthusiasts, you always have this conversations. Ah, oh, we should do this. And how cool would this be? And so we moved to a, a new city and then we thought, okay, let, then let's sit down and then see, you know, let's bring it to paper and then let's see, you know, what, what happens. And in the end, we ended up with 11s or creating 11s to be a creative company that's connecting artists, brands and cultures. And, and we see ourselves as a, a curator, more or less, where we want to tell stories and and, and and everything in the end through aesthetics, because in the end we are designers still. If I, if I can add on to that, it really was uh, countless nights of meeting between Weisach and Sindelfing somewhere <laughs> in a weird location, a weird cafe with no more lights on and just bringing our ideas together without even knowing. We didn't have a plan. We just wanted to bring ideas together. And then eventually this led to the first event, which we did last year, which was the push, push, push. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we always wanted to connect our biggest passion, which is cars with other cultures, which are our other biggest passions. So whether it be design or art or anything else, such as skateboarding. Yeah, mega. So the car culture has very like different characters as we have characters in a society everywhere. How do, would you explain to someone who never been to Push 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 or Thrasher event that this is not like an ordinary cars and coffee? So how would you convince them and what makes it so special? Because I think some of the, uh, the, the guests who visited you on the weekend on the Thrasher event, they are not necessarily into art, into design or into culture or subculture. They're more like, okay, let's speak about um, and things like this. Um, so how do you combine all this together? Honestly, I think you will have different part, different groups, but this is basically the challenge we want to tackle. And it's basically our job to find that red thread that combines those those cultures this this car culture thing the skate culture thing was one common topic like thrasham which yeah. shares um the same passion the same core idea or dna so to say and which is a good uh foundation to get into dialogue to get into conversations to bring those people together and for me honestly it's way more important to see how many people from that skate or art culture participate in our events mm -hmm. than from the car culture, because the car culture is our 
original network, so to say. This is where we know people. This is where it's easier to bring people to that event. I think the the main KPI for us for us is how high is the population of non-car people joining this event. So this is very important for me in the end. And I think uh, what people or it's hard for people to see is we spend a lot, a lot, a lot of time discussing the theme with which artists should we work together? Um, what should we do with the artists? Because this is what we also, you know, this is a big part of what we do. We we ping pong with the artists on, on their artworks to fit a theme. And um, I believe that this is uh, in the end our core, what attracts different kind of people. The focus is, okay, what theme is it? Is it interesting? Um, is it inspiring? And when you have this, I believe it will attract always, or we hope it will attract people that are like-minded on very different levels, mm. not only having the same core. I think society needs exactly that. We need to have like little harbors where we can feel safe, where we can be who we want to be and no one is judging in a sense or less judging than our ordinary lives. I guess people showing up, it really is a proof that it kind of works and that this is needed and people are comfortable. Even more so when the same people show up multiple times or on both days. I just can say, Robert, I was only there because I was hoping that someone was asking for an autograph because no one does this, but no one did. <laughs> so it was really like, uh, <laughs> and I really tried to, you know, dress up very hip, hipster-like and stuff. I really like fit all the theme, but no one was asking for a photo or something like this. So I was very disappointed. I, I we'll think make sure to make this is, happen. Thank you we, very we'll, much. We will do a yeah. signing stand, a JP yeah, signing give, stand for you. Give the old man a good feeling when he's around <laughs> that he's still is some credibility. No, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely right what you said. I, I think the content is created by the people who are visiting, and I always love that. Yes, absolutely. If it's really like you give a you give a little frame, you give a draw, but we fill it with good stuff, and then at the end you have something great, like a great marmalade in it or something like this, like something sweet. <laughs> I think so, one key word um, fit when I was, while I was listening to you guys talk about the event is for us kind of vernissage. So when people mm -hmm. ask me, yeah, what is this thing you're planning? It's yeah, kind of like a car vernissage, X other things. That's what you can kind of expect. And we always said, yeah, we don't want to do a cars and coffee with beer bank and beer tissue. So just yeah. typical stale, reversing a car. And um, I think that's how I would describe it. And um, I have to say, I mean, everyone was amazed um, of the level of support that the BMW group said, because they sent something very special to Thresham. Um, maybe you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, basically, uh, they gave us the opportunity to get an E9, uh, the original Frank Stella art car. So that was really the star of the show, so to say. And I think uh, what made it very special is that you usually see that car in a different visual context. So I think this made uh, the appearance of something special like the E9 Frank Stella also more special in the end. But we also had the STW, um, the E36, and uh, that was, I think, at least as popular as the E9 um, for the community in the end. And we had a bit more freedom with that car to move that around on that place, to put it out, to put it in. Yeah. So um, that was pretty cool. And for those two cars, I mean, we didn't just use those cars to exhibit them, but we also had a team of artists from Nuremberg 
who created uh, custom-made uh, 3D-printed legendary uh, skate sneakers with applications, uh, design applications, uh, which came from both of the cars, um, mm -hmm. from the E9 and from the E36. Um, and we made some content around uh, the combination of that shoe and that car in that skate hall and, and outside, though. That was basically very special in the end. Uh, what is it? A, a compact who got really like uh, became a skater ramp? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> e E36 uh, Compact yes. 369. How did that happen? Who came up with that idea? So we, we met every week or every or twice a week to set up for, for, for Thrasher. And then at one point we said, yeah, let's jump over a art car. Good idea. This is how it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is how it all started. And actually it became our uh, a poster as well, an invitation poster for the event. But this is where it started. And then we, we were thinking about, okay, uh, or I think BMW Classic said it's uh, not possible. So we chose a car, which Surprise. is uh, not really loved <laughs> uh, by, by everybody. So we took a, a compact. And then uh, um, we set up for the uh, Thresham event. And uh, I think five hours or, or six hours before the event, a friend of us came by and then he started to weld on the car, uh, welding, grinding panels on the car <laughs> for the skateboarders. <laughs> and I was busy with doing something and I heard the, this clack, 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 clack uh, noise from uh, from welding. I said, who the fuck is welding at one o'clock in the morning? Yeah. And then uh, turning around and he was, uh, you know, uh, putting things on yeah. the car. <laughs> But this is also something very impressive. The amount of support we received from friends who are also yeah. into that car culture. I mean, the night before, I think we finished the job at 3 a.m. in the morning and we had to be back on the place at 6 a.m. to receive the cars. So uh, I think it would have been absolutely impossible without the support of the friends we got there. And uh, one good example is that those guys have still enough energy at 1 a.m. in the morning to come up with new ideas, welding stuff onto an E36 and just ask people around that location <laughs> if they have a welding machine for them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's beautiful. I, that's that, <laughs> I, that's really lovely. I also think that the E36 compact is a pretty good example for Thrasham for the mm -hmm. basic for the core idea of Thrasham because if you look at that car or what what that car ended up to be, it's used for some rallying. It's used for some some cheap car racing from some cheap track tour stuff. So this is basically also what the core idea of Thrasham was. Use the car how it was meant to be used. Um, use the deck how it is meant to use. Grind it, skate it. I mean, um, use it, leave marks. And yeah, that, that was the idea of what to do with that car. And uh, I think the end result was that it looked basically uh, what you would call a car that is thrashed. Oh, I think that if you advertise something in the name, it has to be also delivered. That's for sure. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then skateboarding, skateboarding and, and, and racing. So that was our initial thought. They have so many things in common. Like if you want to skateboard, you need to you know, learn how to focus, learn how to, you know, keep on doing things, keep on trying things. And it's the same thing that is the heart and the core of racing, you know. I mean, you're driving in a circle, mm -hmm. but you, you, you have to have a nail in the head to know, okay, I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to do better. And, and this is, you know, super strong connecting between those two yeah. sports. Yeah. Aris, you said that you wanted to bring non-car people in connection with cars or with a kind of a new car culture. Yeah. Um, do you think that especially the skate scene, skater scene is open to this? 
Yeah, the, the, this is a very interesting question. We worked closely together with uh, Parcel, who is the owner and who runs that uh, skate school, uh, so to say. And we also talked to different people and they told us, okay, you know, in Munich, but also in different cities, you have those different types or different categories of skate scenes. You have those hardcore uh, partying, getting drunk skaters. You have those family skaters. You have those uh, taking it serious and professional skaters. And we weren't sure about how to combine that. And we were pretty afraid about, do we have the credibility to bring those people to a basically car meet from, from their perspective? Um, in the end, I think the fact that we didn't just use skating as a aesthetic badge and put it on cars and just create stickers and posters but we really did a contest we we put some prize money into that contest we provided a car to be skatable i think those elements um provided the the credibility the authenticity in the end uh, that we need to get that kind of um people on our side and that was what happened in the end um it feels like credible cultural fusion between two scenes and and people who are stoked from both sides and this is basically that feeling that we want to create because i think that feeling will bring those people together will bring those people into a dialogue into something like okay why are you here because i love skateboarding i love racing cars i mean what are similarities what do, i mean this is exactly where where i feel where we where we want to be in the end i mean and i think it's the mindset that uh, yeah. we we didn't want it to take something from skateboarding and put it on our event or put it on cars or put it on, you know, a four BMW, but we wanted to, to give and for both communities. And, and there were a lot of kids coming after the events like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was super nice event. I think you definitely made a connection between several worlds. And I think that's was also the beauty of the Thresham event and uh, makes it so special. Uh, but Aris, um, how did it all start with you? What was your first car actually? It was a bit of embarrassing uh, beginning of my car times because I think the first challenge we had is how many speakers you can put into a Corsa A or Honda Civic in the end. Uh, we added about something like uh, the number of 15 plus subwoofers. Um, this is basically how it all got started. And I think that was also pretty much... Uh, motivated by that whole GDM uh, uh, Fast and the Furious scene. And uh, the cars I had back in the days, uh, it was a Honda Civic ED9. That was a Prelude, Honda Prelude BB3. Uh, the next one was the Honda Civic Type RFN2, basically that, <laughs> that Aggie spaceship yes. thing revving to 9,000 RPM, something like that. This uh, was a time where I didn't spend too much effort optimizing the performance, the track performance of those cars. I was just using them in the end. But uh, this was also the time where I, yeah, where I met some people who were really in that car scene, who were do doing drives once in a year, drives into the Alp, or it was called peak porn stuff like that. And that was the time where I started doing, yeah. Pick Ford, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was the time where we started also going onto track, optimizing the cars, uh, checking out the garage of my father-in-law who worked for 40 years for Mazda and mm -hmm. who has basically 20 Mazdas back there in that big hall. Uh, we picked out um, cars, started working on them, optimizing suspension, stuff like that on the Miata. Then I got the 323 GTR, the RX-7, the FB1, 
starting working on those. I mean, these are still ongoing projects because uh, you use them once and you know what happens next. You need to work several hours on them again. And um, yeah. <laughs> nice. I think um, we need to speak, uh, Robert, we need to speak about uh, Heel and Toe, your side project, uh, because you are, uh, and let me give you that title, the Uncrowned Bavarian Drift King. And the title actually comes not only from me, the honor is also given by Stratton. And uh, those who tuned in on a regular basis, uh, they know exactly who Stratton is because uh, he does a great job in reviving old BMW cars, has a brilliant YouTube channel, and also, of course, was guest at Classic Hearts. So if you missed that episode, just look up for the episode with Stratton at the Classic Heart playlist. But back to the point. So Stratton told me that you, Robert, gave him some drift lessons. Is that right? First of all, I'm honored for the uncrowned uh, Bavarian Drift King. I will I will print that out yeah. and and that will get autographed by you at the yeah. next event. No, that's it's not the, it's a cool collaboration between uh, Stratton and I. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. It is accepted. <laughs> um I think how did this start? I mean, um, back in the day when I wasn't allowed to drive, me and my best friend would do a lot of online gaming mm -hmm. after work. That's partially why my grades at school were so bad. So you can imagine the minute I was holding my license, I was on the road doing stuff. And in Bavaria, we have a lot of uh, hefty winters, which are pretty much open drift practice, or they were open drift practice in my eyes. And just consistently doing this and driving rear-wheel drive cars as daily cars. And I think that's how you have to learn it. Because then you get this popometer feeling. And then it just becomes ingrained in your system. It's it's kind of, uh, you don't even think about it anymore. It just happens. And for me, this kind of driving, and this is why I created Heel and Toe, is because I want to embody this spirit of driving. So analog driving, driving fast, driving on the limit. This is the most rewarding form of driving for me. What was super important for me as well is because there's a lot of car content out there, but a lot of it is talking like we're doing now, which all has its place. But too little of it is the cars being driven properly. Yeah. So I always wanted to show the cars being driven properly and combine that with high quality films. So somewhat cinematic to just kind of find this merge. That was the goal of that. I mean, it's a uh, great fun to watch this. And I remember one video was the couple of years ago. I don't know if it's two years ago, one year ago, the one uh, where coming back to the drift machine. Uh, I think that you said that the, you, you answered the question why the 1M coupe is such mm -hmm. a good drive. And I think uh, you should watch that one. So uh, everyone tune in, have a look at uh, Heel to Toe on YouTube or Instagram. Uh, Heap, you said your, your start into the car thing was fast and furious. And uh, you said it was like a bit of uh, not feeling comfortable by saying that. But I think it's totally fine. But why was fast and furious so special to you? I think that in Germany, car clubs were, yeah, you know, Manta Manta style. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, and this movie opened the door for me. And of course, the internet opened the door to, for me to see what happens in California with uh, car cultures, especially yeah. with the JDM scene. And um, because for me, it was the first time where I saw a lot of street style or this uh, lifestyle around this topic of cars came up. And, and this was fascinating me. Still until now, I, I still see and look a lot to the SoCal scene, mm -hmm. which I still find inspiring. And um, so I'm coming from tuning and then 
growing up in Frankfurt, Hockenheimring and, and Nürburgring are not so far away. Yes. So we one of the perks, usually... one of the perks of Frankfurt, I have yeah, to say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So we often went after university or after school, uh, we drove to Hockenheimring or Nürburgring to go on tourist and driving. So this is where this all started, which is, I think, more than 15 years ago now. And uh, so I, I, try, I started to build uh, my first track tour and then the second and then ended up in the last one. Uh, which is a E36 because you were talking beforehand about the uh, 1M and the E46. But for me being, this was a kind of also the dream car for me uh, mm -hmm. growing up in the nineties, but I still feel like these cars are a bit uh, more nimble, more lighter than the E46. And um, so, yeah, I, I still enjoy driving, driving these, these cars as well. He, thank you very much. I mean, that's, uh, I couldn't agree more in everything you said about uh, the love for, for that particular BMW. And the lighter a car gets, the better it is. Um, to all three of you, thank you very much for sharing your personal view on your passion, cars, and also like the work with cars and creating events around it. I mean, we spoke a lot about the past event Thresham and, um, I think it would be good to have also an outlook into the next year. So could you share with us what is up next for you? Is there an, another event like Thresham planned? So we def we are already planning the next thing for the beginning of next year. I think we'd like to probably kick off the season for another spectacular event, um, maybe to go away from racing a little bit and focus on another field of automotive. And we would definitely like to invite Hofmeisters and maybe some other brands. Let's see. I think we can give you a small sneak preview. I think Ralph Lauren and Tommy Ifka would be good guests. Yeah, pretty cryptic, but I think... Um, I just add one picture because we have it in, in our, you know, working uh, deck. It's uh, the picture of, um, I think it's a 90s movie. It's uh, American Psycho. And uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave this as a, as a teaser for next year. <laughs> you mean that, that Christian Bale image, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, sleek and crazy. I mean, that's uh, it's a good combination, I would say. Not if you have a knife or an axe around, that's the, the one thing. <laughs> But in general, with cars and other cultures and art, definitely. So, um, Heap, Aris, Robert, thank you very much for joining us today for our podcast here and uh, sharing what's uh, your point of view and how to do and how to rethink events and car meetings, which is much more than just bringing metal to one place. And I really enjoyed that. And also the, the side talks to know you each other a bit, a bit better. Uh, thank you very, very much for taking your time, even in the early morning and in the late hour to San Diego. So uh, thank you very much. It was our pleasure. pleasure. Thank you. It was an honor. Thank you. So also thank you for joining us and your ongoing support and listen to what we have to say. Uh, we really appreciate this. And of course, this podcast will not be possible without a great team, uh, which uh, needs to have uh, Alex and Marcus from the Scenario Studio, who are taking care of all the sound. Uh, Friederike von Königswald, who is the one who's making everything sounding nice and clear from content uh, perspective. And uh, Robin from Shot One, who holds everything together. Uh, so thank you 
everyone everyone joining. Um, please, if you don't have done it already, please uh, give us a high star rating that helps uh, others to find us. And also subscribe on the platform of your choice to listening to podcasts that you never miss one of the episodes of Classic Heart. Thank you very much. Bye bye, guys. Have a good one. Ihr könnt noch was sagen, ihr dürft noch auf Wiedersehen sagen kurz. Ciao, bye. Ciao. Bye, guys. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. I love the natural way of it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. <laughs>